This episode is supported by Tahoe Lab Snowboards. At Tahoe Lab, they handcraft their split and solid boards in small batches using a bamboo core in two different constructions, traditional and phantom. The traditional construction uses two full sheets of carbon fiber and two sheets of triaxial fiberglass to create a bomber board that can take years of abuse. The Phantom construction uses four layers of aerospace-grade carbon fiber to create the lightest, most responsive board possible. Anyone that enjoys long tours knows that the weight of the board has a huge effect on the amount of energy required to achieve your objective. Tahoe Lab boards feature a DuraSurf centered base to hold more wax to keep you gliding smoothly. Go to www.taholab.com and use the code DS15 at checkout for 15% off your board purchase. Here comes Christine, ripping it up. Ready? Yep. explore a lot of different places I find like a lot of times I'm heading somewhere I've never been before taking people who are you know relying on me to keep them safe and that mm. is it's cool it's scary it's right. challenging it's fun it's new it's exciting like it's all of those things right so it's yeah it's very rewarding and it's different than hit laps every day on the ski hill Hey everybody and welcome to episode 34 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. This time we're talking with splitboard guide Christine Filecki. Christine is the first woman to test and pass her ACMG exam on a splitboard. Originally from Canmore, Alberta and currently residing in the Squamish, BC area, it's clear that her happy place is in the mountains. So join us with your favorite kombucha and listen in. Drop in with Christine Falecki. Hey, Christine, what are you drinking right now? I'm having a spark kombucha, lemon ginger. Nice. We are enjoying Ooh, some more. My fave. We are enjoying some ferny beer tonight. I'm having the Ooh, yeah. Java the Hut, and Darren's having <laughs> some What the Huck. What the Huck? I'll be your Huckleberry. We don't know what that <laughs> means. So tell us a little bit about who you are out of the gate um, really quickly here because there's something really interesting that you've got that no other woman has. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a splitboard guide, a member of the Canadian, uh, oh, fumbling it here, ACMG. I'm a member of the Association <laughs> of Canadian Mountain Guides right. um, and I am the first female to have passed uh, a ski exam on a splitboard. Nice. Within the ACMG. Congratulations. Oh, thank wow. you. Yeah. 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 And and first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, taking your time. Yes. And and sharing with our audience your knowledge. I'm sure you've got a lot more than you think you do. Because I know pre-lam, <laughs> you're like, I don't know what to say. We'll get it out of you. Don't worry. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really great to be on with you guys. And I'm excited to take part. Yeah. So are we. Cool. Super yeah. Super so humbled. Love it. Yeah. So when did, uh, right a little bit, your your dad got you into the mountains, the hill, getting you going first. Is that correct? When you were young? Yeah. Like, well, I kind of grew up in a mountain town in Canmore, Alberta. And so I was just super lucky by being born there. Uh, mountains everywhere. And then my dad and my mom both loved the outdoors and got me into downhill skiing when I was about two two years old. And then 
cross-country ski racing and around 12 years old actually my dad tried snowboarding mm, and cool uh, got one for me and my brother to share and then i just really loved snowboarding and kind of took off from there were you close to the same height as your brother as my brother uh i don't know we were like i was 12 so he would have been 10 yeah close probably <laughs> Yeah, you know, you or know at least what? we were both skinny. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did the same thing yeah. with my kids. As everybody knows, I've got four kids. Um, I I had a set of one ten skis and a ninety five cm board, and I was yeah. like, pick pick what you want to do. Try them both. I started them actually on skis. I'll be honest. I yeah. put them on skis. That was the way I started at three years old. So you're yeah. a little bit ahead of me. But then, uh, I gave him skis, and then I gave him a board. And I said, you decide what you want to do. I don't my care which one it is. No, my son had no choice at three. I'm dragging you around the Star, <laughs> Star Wars board, Burton board around the house and outside. You will ride this yeah. board and nothing else. And that's it. That's how she yeah. calls. And now he calls skiers uh, the two-plank wanker. <laughs> <laughs> He's raising his kid right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. Oh, man. <coughs> I'm, trying, Brad, I'm, so, I'm working on it. So obviously you loved the snowboard? Yeah, I I don't know why, but I just really took to it really fast, mm-hmm. and and um, it was kind of funny, like not funny, but um, yeah, there wasn't many girls when I started snowboarding doing it, and maybe like one or two women that I knew that were older than me at the time, mm-hmm. and then one of my friends started, and then another one of my girlfriends, she was in like the Nancy Green Ski Club. So they'd all be up at the ski hill every weekend. And I was like, oh, like on my snowboard and stole her away from the ski club one day. <laughs> and we went it. riding. And then the next like weekend, she showed up with a snowboard. And she's like, I'm going to learn how to snowboard too. <laughs> and then, yeah, like the three of us, Renee, Catherine, and myself, we just yes. like would snowboard together all the time. Okay, that's and, sick. Uh, I love yeah. that. Like, come with me <laughs> to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Come over here. It's funner. Way um, more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. So we had all these plans to like, you know, grow old together and live out of a van and snowboard. And I mean, we haven't really done that, but we still all snowboard together. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where did, you grew up in Canmore, but where did you, where did you do most of your riding as a kid? Uh, I mean, growing up with Canmore, you kind of had Norquay, Sunshine, Lake Louise would be probably the places I mostly snowboarded. And, and in the beginning, it was mostly Sunshine just because it was at the start when we were like, you know, younger, our parents could drive us there and if they weren't skiing, drop us off and, and it wasn't like a huge drive commitment for them. But you sure learned and how then, to keep your speed up, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, you do a lot of fucking walking <laughs> yeah. if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, took, yeah. You got to learn how to straight line pretty fast oh, yeah. when you snowboard at sunshine. Yeah. I took and my, I and took it was kind of there. funny. Yeah, totally. I remember eating shit super hard a few times <laughs> trying to figure out how to keep your speed. <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah. So that was pre-Goat's Eye then, right? Uh, Yeah, that would have been pre-Goat's Eye. And delirium dive. And then delirium dive. Yeah, that stuff. Uh, yeah, when, I can't quite remember what year that came in, but Goat's Eye was like maybe when I was a little older, mm-hmm. like 
16, 17 or something. Or maybe it was, I can't quite remember. Yeah, it's, it's that's a while ago now. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That was my first experience. But, oh, it can't be that long ago. Yeah. It was my first experience out of Ontario. I was going to at a trade show. I was working for Coosport. And I went to a trade show in Calgary. Who were you working for, Chad? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. You already know. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So my first time in the mountains, so of course I go get this big 163 snowboard and it's riding me down the hill at, oh, Lake, yeah. at Lake Louise. Then I go over to Sunshine and I'm like, holy shit, like this is, I'm not used to this, but it was great. It was a fantastic and oh, uh, yeah. first time to get out riding. I love them both. I haven't been to Norquay yet. Neither. But, uh, but Sunshine and Lake, I love. I've only been to Lake once. For both different reasons. I didn't like yeah. it, but I was back then. I ride different. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it's all good. Like it's different riding at Lake Louise has a lot more, especially when you get up into the backside yes. and like you're kind of into the, the bigger, steeper lines. And, and I, it was like when I grew up snowboarding, it was kind of like I know what I was in that age where it was kind of like snowboarders and skiers were separate. But actually, and I skied or snowboarded with a lot of skiers. Yeah, We were all just riding together, skiing together. And so you like yeah i never was like just riding the snowboard lines i guess for lack okay. of a better way of describing it so i got lake louise you know you got into the big mountain riding a lot with the skiers and and that's kind of yeah i was not much of a park rider ever i've always been kind of more into the mountains and that was that was my jam <laughs> so so what did you Nothing do when your skiing that. friends wanted to go hit the moguls i mean uh, i hate <laughs> moguls on a snowboard and uh, never I actually kind of like Moguls. Okay, I I never liked it. I I mean, I can deal with it. I can get a rhythm and I can go, but... Yeah, well, it's the right Moguls, right? Like when they're kind of soft and you can air a few and like hop through them. But I remember one day, actually, my friend and I, we were going to race. He was on skis and I was on a snowboard and I I just straight lined through them. (laughs) I don't know if I... uh, Yeah, I think I exploded (laughs) at the bottom. But yeah, you can try that. It's not the best tactic, but I remember. So I grew up a skier, and um, I remember my mom taking me to, to the top of a mogul run, and she was just like, "You're going down there," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." And she's like, "Yeah, you are." Yeah, yeah. And she pushed me as hard as she could, and I think I just closed my eyes and straight lined the whole way down, yeah, and I lived. Made it. I made it. I did not explode yeah. at the bottom. But I did not yeah. walk away from that going, that was rad. <laughs> I was like, That's what I want to do for the rest like, of my life. Fuck that shit. Don't do that again. Get the heck out of here. Yeah. I do not want to do well, that Well, I again. think growing up like skiing in the Rockies or snowboarding in the Rockies, it doesn't snow as much out there. And so there's moguls and you just rode them. Right. Like it was just part of the day. Mm-hmm. You just kind of did it. Well, especially at Lake. Yeah, sunshine too. I mean, yeah, like Standard Ridge, has, yeah, Era Cliff to moguls and yeah, like full that. wall, just moguls. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Lake is this just kind of part of it. Yeah, cool. So then, cool. So then, what happened? What happened in your snowboarding world? Then, did you ever get? Well, you did get into the competing realm a little bit, did you not? On the yeah, I mean, you said you didn't like the park thing, but uh, yeah, well, it's like it's not like I didn't like it. I just it wasn't like my I wasn't a park rat. I wasn't like yes, I just want to spend all day in the park. I was way happier riding, like dropping cliffs and just riding nice. lines and that kind of I'm thing. Down with um, that. So nice. park wasn't your jam. You were like yeah, yeah. let me go yeah. get some big air and <laughs> yeah. 
But at one point, my friend Renee, actually, she went and like, there's like, I think Lake Louise, they used to have like a little border cross series. And she went one day, one weekend and went in. And Catherine and I had decided to join the basketball team. So, so oh. because it was on the weekends, we uh, weren't there that day. And she went and rode in this border cross and she's like, oh, you guys got to come. And so the next weekend, Catherine and I were like, okay, yeah, no, we're not playing basketball. We're going to go <laughs> ride this border nice. cross. And then the three of us kind of placed top three and won money. And oh. we were like, oh, we got to do more of these. <laughs> and so, yeah, we kind of, we started doing that for fun. Like, and at one point we realized that uh, there was snowboard teams, which was not kind of in our world. We didn't know that people were training for this. We just oh, go shit. snowboarding and, yeah. and uh, we kept placing like kind of top three. This maybe I was like 16, 17, 18 kind of when I was racing border cross, I guess. And yeah, so, so it was just super fun. We just kind of did it like Lake Louise, Kimberly, Bernie, like, just whatever was kind of semi somewhat close to where we lived. And, and, um, yeah, I was disappointed when I was kind of turned 19, finished high school. And my mom was like, you got to get a real job. And <laughs> I became a lifeguard and, and like, you know, in two weeks of work made 150 bucks or something. I was like, mom, Still I just made $800 <laughs> last weekend. And yeah. now, <laughs> now I can't do that anymore. You don't get it. You don't get it, mom. You just don't, <laughs> yeah. get it. You don't get it. It's almost like the Sean White story where, he goes riding for a weekend, wins a contest, and he goes, yeah, mom, I just, you can have that Lexus. She's like, for the weekend? He goes, no, mom, I just want it for you. It's yours. She's like, what? <laughs> right? It's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, same idea. Yeah. Well, kind of. Well, not a Lexus. I was going to say. Dude, it's the same, man. Yeah. You want some money more than your job. It's the same thing. It's not a Lexus, though. <laughs> It's a lot of money for me at that age, right. for sure. That's though. my Absolutely. point, yeah. man. That's my point. Yeah. He's in a different stratosphere than the like, fucking 99.999% of the world. So uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He oh, is. yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. What, so what was your, um, how'd you do in border cross? Like, what, how did, what were your results like? Did you love it? Were you killing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was super fun. Like, we, like the three of us were just kind of doing it for fun. We didn't, really think to take it seriously but we pretty much always between the three of us we were first second and third but you guys were always podium yeah yeah, but at the same time i mean you were talking about it with your daughter now there there wasn't a lot of females right as well so i mean maybe there'd be like max 20 girls to compete against um if that so yeah we were racing each other basically and and i mean there were these teams i think they like they were there were people who were teams like coming up from montana and and calgary and 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 they obviously trained and and we just went snowboarding like there was a lot of days where we'd show up at a a race and it was puking snow and we'd ditch the race and just go ride powder but yeah, I don't know. We weren't taking it that seriously, I guess. <laughs> so were you were you racing against girls from Windsport, like from the academy and and I I think that like I think I was well before that. Like oh, okay. this this would have been like nineteen ninety nine, ninety eight, something okay. like that. Yeah. 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 Just kinda But 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 still girls that grew up like riding C O P and Probably yeah, totally. Some, probably with some but serious like, instruction on that side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. but yeah, like we just like we 
like even though Calgary was close to Canmore, we just were kind of clueless, I guess. Like yeah. people were on a team. We didn't, it wasn't in our, our realm. That's because you're and, in Canmore. You're like, I'm not driving east. Why would I drive yeah. east? I'm going <laughs> yeah. west to the mountains. Mountains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not yeah. hills. This isn't yeah. country hills. This is the foothills. This is mountains. Yeah. People still like in Whistler, they call it the hill. We're going to the hill tomorrow. Well, I, st- yeah. I call every hill the hill, the, whatever, Such but I'm just weird. saying, you know, like COP, uh, I don't know. I have my opinions on yeah. that place, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. it is it's a bit of a regret. Like I uh, moved out to Whistler after high school or after I went to a college in Victoria for photojournalism and then ended up moving to Whistler after and uh, just like there was like a Kokanee race series and. For I remember, I remember and, that. I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'll just go in for fun. And I still came third. And I was like, they had like the uh, Canadian national team using it as a training program or as like a training race. And I, I still came third. And I was like, maybe I should have stuck with this. <laughs> and they're like, you're beating all our team. What's going yeah, on? How come we don't know who you are? That's because she yeah. waxes. I saw on her. Oh, I didn't actually. But they, yeah, I had like this dry, crusty board, like, you know, gray base, no edges. Anyway, yeah, I was like, I don't know. Rusting round edges. So yeah. what? I probably what, saved you actually from catching your edge and wiping right. it. That's yeah, maybe tuning yeah. the shit out of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, go. and the the border cross in Whistler was always the flattest oh. course you could find. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you're a pro because you grew up. In I was sunshine. used to going to sunshine. That's right. That's you right. got it. Flat. Got this. Yeah. Done. Yeah, just go straight. Just go That's straight. Right. No turning. Lean back. No turns. Um. So yeah. what? What was your? What was the? You know, like, what was your experience? What was your secret to to the border cross track? Like, why did why were you always winning? Why were you always on the podium? Sorry, not always winning, maybe, but always on the podium. Uh, always, maybe yeah. not always. Sorry, well, often. often. Why were you often on yeah. the podium? I think I don't know. I think just like when, like, growing up snowboarding, where we did. Like we'd we'd like race through the trees all the time. Like so, we were just really. Mm. Oh yeah. And and I and and also, like, riding with a lot of skiers. And skiers are they're fast. they ride they're fast. And yeah. I just got fast. <laughs> Great point. Great That's point. True. Yeah. Really. True. And yeah. then and Agreed. then all that tree experience. I mean, you trained your eye to look way yeah. down course. And yeah, pick and up the peripheral on the as, side, as we right? just learned. And, yeah, yeah, the last episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Like we'd rad. all kind of race out the ski, ski out from sunshine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but through the trees, like you know, there'd be these uh, alternate ski outs that you could do. Yep. And yeah, just, from like, the top. It, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And just, you'd like <laughs> ribbon through the trees, and we just yeah. like all go down that like. 20 at a time. Oh. <laughs> I had a buddy end up way too far near the parking lot and looking over oh, the yeah. edge and going, oh, shit. <laughs> we need to... Well, I wasn't be. there, but he Wrong was there. Wrong turn. Yeah, hike back. Sorry, I just killed the mood on that one. Anyways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, it's on you, chat. Pick it up, buddy. Okay, so then when did the sponsorships and free gear start coming around? <laughs> Oh, that, that like literally just happened for me. 
Chad's like, let's fast 15, forward. 20, 30 <laughs> years well, later. If you're yeah. killing it. You know, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, when you were doing that. Okay. Quarter, uh, car- Can little I little. correct this? Let me correct this. Let, let me write this yeah, shit. Yeah. So. We <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, captains. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. So you're, you're, you're podium. You're, you're hitting the podiums. You're doing the border cross thing. When, when backcountry? Like, when did you oh, yeah. discover backcountry? Like, when when did that yeah. become your jam? Like, I mean, you talked about, you know, how your other friends were into the park and you were hucking off cliffs and you found that to be a lot more fun. And obviously, at the backside of the lake, I mean, you're steep and deep, right? So, oh, yeah. And, what, and it wasn't necessarily that my other friends were all into park. We just, I what like, the people that I skied and ride with were, we just in general, didn't spend most of our time in the park. But I, I kind of, I mean, I was introduced to the backcountry in high school, basically, like through outdoor ed at our high school. We did like kind of, again, kind of lucky where I grew up and, and the time of the timing of, of that program was before 2002, before major restrictions came in on what you could do with kids in the backcountry. And we were doing like, you know, kind of, mountaineering courses in the Wapped ice fields and out Kananaskis and um, did like telemark skiing and, and touring and stuff like that. Uh, like I learned the first time I, I did a transceiver search was with like a, a, you know, the peeps transceiver with the little earphone and that yeah. kind of thing. So it's not that I would like was really doing backcountry then, but I was introduced to it kind of in my teens and, and really like, fell in love with the mountains and just knew that I always wanted to be in the mountains. Like definitely wasn't going to get a desk job, sat most days in school, looking out the window at the mountains around waiting Mm. to get out there kind of thing. And then, um, but also was like totally addicted to snowboarding and just at that time only want like any chance I got was like, let's just go snowboarding and didn't, you know, you know, didn't know about slipboarding until, I was like, I don't know, 24, I think. So like 2000, oh, when did I start splitboarding? 2009, maybe it was, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. when it all kind of started to really yeah, pick like up that's speed. when. Okay, I feel really yeah, old you know. right now. Oh, dude, there's no question. <laughs> yeah, 24, yeah, 2009. Like, sh- damn. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like ski bumming <laughs> in Whistler for a long time and riding every day, basically working in restaurants every night and doing anything Love I it. could to yeah to be on the mountain all day. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I guess what got me into splitboarding was. Um, I saw, I read that Scott Newsom had passed his oh, yes. full ski yes. exam on a split board yeah. in Snowboard Canada. And, and I was just like, that's what I want to do. And boom, a dream um, was born. Yeah. I just kind of switched gears. I was like, all right, no more, no more, uh, serving or cooking in restaurants and, um, got a split board and, and kind of started, started working that way. I went to Thompson Rivers University um, in Kamloops and mm. took their adventure guide program there. Um, and so that was like a two-year course, a mix of like in-field and in-classroom kind of stuff. And then from there, got some practicums and landed myself uh, 
a tail guiding job with Crescent Spur Heli Skiing and worked there 2012, I guess, was when I started working there. That's awesome. And yeah, I became a hiking guide. And so just like hiking guiding in the summers and and slipboard guiding in the winters. And yeah. Man. And I'm, now I'm here. <laughs> Living the life right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Dang. when did you take your first Abbey course then? Uh, in, that, in that area when you got your split board and you're like... Hey Scott, like <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm just uh, trying to put the dots know, together. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not making funny. I'm just <laughs> I'm picking my job off the ground. Oh, dude, first I of know. all, because right, what a life. I I think okay. Um, I mean, inner city kid here, you know, um, but but still always loved the outdoors. Just craved yeah. it big time. Um, I you're you're not the first person that we've talked to so far who has had that experience where. They got to do backcountry riding as part of their educational program. And I'm so like, jealous. I'm like, what? Yeah, totally. Mom, what the fuck? Yeah. I went to the wrong school. <laughs> yeah. I had to get you pulled know, behind like, a car to get yeah. to get snow in <laughs> that's Toronto. Right. That's right. And he did it on oh, a board. I did it too, on right? boots. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. Fucking yeah, it hard. was fun. Saucer. It was yeah, really dude. fun. Yeah. Um, but seriously, man, like that's that's sick. That's insane. Especially for for somebody who found their passion and followed their passion. Um, I love that. I love that entirely. Yeah, know, that's why thanks. I, I, I don't even know what else to say. Man. I want to move just, to Squamish so my son can have that experience because there's an academy in, in Squamish that offers that stuff as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, there's lots of opportunities, but I think at the same time, like you'll do it you like, you know, you'll go through being a kid and, and have your experiences and some kids grow up in Canmore and they don't like being outside at all. Right. Like they're just not into it. So, you know, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to backpedal a little bit because I did have, um, I had a single mom growing up. Me and too. so she took advantage of, of putting my brother and I into whatever kind of programs we could to experience life and everything. And totally, <clears throat> I, was just I know this is all the time. I apologize for that. Um, I know this is, you know, so I did Boy Scouts when I was a kid. Chad's laughing at me yeah. for apologizing because I do that too much. I'm Canadian, dude. All right. <laughs> You're fucking from <laughs> New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. I'm not from there. <laughs> anyways, there. anyways, so I did the Boy Scout thing when I was a kid, but my Boy Scout troop was so fucking rad. Like our Boy Scout leader was not your typical, like, where you got to wear your sash and your shirt and your pants. And he was not <laughs> like your that. your badges. Yeah, <laughs> no. Like, I mean, yeah, we did that because that's what you did. As Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. but my Boy Scout leader, uh, shout out to Bruce McKenzie, um, <laughs> wicked dude. He owned an island in Tomogamy. Oh, yes, beautiful area in Tomogamy, Ontario. Beautiful. This area. chain of seven lakes, yeah, just gorgeous. And so I didn't get to snowboard at the same age you were doing that, but I spent every summer as a kid canoeing for three weeks at a totally. time from lake to lake, portaging between lakes. And it was a chain of seven lakes, so our goal every year was to get through that entire chain to Maple Mountain at the very end and climb the fire <laughs> the tower. End, that yeah. sounds like a kid's But that book. was our thing, man. Like, And the adventures oh, yeah. that I experienced in those years were phenomenal. It has nothing to do with splitboarding. <laughs> no, but it kind of does, right? It it's sort like, of does. In that, the adventure part. It's yeah, like dude. it's what brought me to love need. the outdoors yeah. and, why and adventure. Walked, spent and six then, months And then I ended up being a scuba diving instructor. <laughs> <laughs> 
you gotta had explore to the underwater. But it really did. It really did feel that passion in my entire life, even into my fifth decade now of just loving being outside, regardless of how and why and where. I just want to be outside. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know. I yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of it too. It's like, I, you know, you get into splitboarding, skiing, snowboarding, all of those things. And it's just, oh, another, like, it's a, it's a cool way to explore. And I mean, if you don't do something in the winter here, right, we have six it's months of winter or more. So. Well, yeah. You know, what's so amazing though, Christine, like, so in your experiences and where you live and, and, um, what you get to do, I mean, you have the opportunities probably to, to do some mechanized travel into the backcountry and p- hit big lines. Oh, and yeah. A number of lines in a year. But you still love splitboarding. And I think it, it, yeah. melts, it melts down to the same reasons. Well, like the reason that you're an ACMG hiking guide, right? I mean, yeah, that same idea. Um, you know, like I mentioned to you and, and the rest of the world kind of knows that who listens to the podcast anyways, that, that I hiked the Appalachian trail, you know, for me, I saw what the Appalachian trail was and I was like, yeah, I have to do that. Yeah. It's crazy. And for no other reason than just because it's there and I want to experience that. And it's amazing when I did it, how many different styles of hikers there were out there especially when it comes to the Appalachian Trail, because it's kind of a mm-hmm. goal that a lot of people want to get. In the year that I did it, less than 3,000 people had ever done a through hike. Right. So I was one of less than, you know, I was one of the first yeah. 3,000 people to ever complete yeah. a through hike of the Appalachian Trail. Well, it wasn't the beginning, right? Because that trail started <laughs> in the 40s and it was right. the 90s when I hiked it. So it was it was 50-year-old trail by then. But mm-hmm. not a lot of people were doing it because the internet wasn't around. And it wasn't right. a very popular thing, yeah, you know, exactly. whereas like nowadays it's like, it's like yeah. who doesn't know well, about the Appalachian Trail and done it? But um, that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's, no, it's funny because we've talked to some people about splitboarding and some guys that we've talked to, guys, girls, whatever they talk to, you know, they talk about the tour up being the suffer. All right. Yeah. But I don't, like, personally, I don't see it that way. And I'm not picking on them. I mean, it is. Sometimes those false summits are just terrible on your brain. Yeah, there's um, days when it's suffery for sure. But part of it is, like, part of the whole thing is getting there. And, like, I mean, it's, like, like there's it's really cool to be able to fly or snowmobile or something super fast through the mountains. And, like, yeah, you're, like, picking off this line and that line or whatever. But it's also really cool to like slowly move through the mountains and gain this whole understanding that you miss out on from moving so quickly and and like really kind of understanding the area you're in and this feeling of exploration of like, hey, well, I really, you know, don't know what's around that corner. So I'm going to go over there to take a look and kind of get a better view of my line. And you have to kind of explore the whole terrain as you move through it. To f- You don't get the bird's eye view like you do in a helicopter. So you got to be looking and watching and yeah it's, it's just a different way to move through the mountains which it, is that's awesome i love fun. what you just yeah. said there. yeah that was, that was beautiful fantastic it, it, it's right it's not a bird's eye view but it's the other perspective that really changes the way you attack that area right mm-hmm. i mean it, it's funny because the bird's eye view it's almost 2d in a sense i mean even though in real life yeah. it's 3d but Really, when you're yeah. looking down on it like, like that from Google the helicopter, you're like, that line looks really good, right? But then you get to the top of the line, you're like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Or even into just going it, right? into it and seeing it in a closer area, you're like, those, yeah. that's just gnarly. 
Well, and you miss out on, you know, all the, the that important snowpack information and just by walking through the snow, right, you're gaining a lot of information and um, feeling the, the wind and the sun and what it's actually doing. And when you kind of just get dropped somewhere, if it's like the start of the day, yeah, you've done your homework, you've checked the weather, but, but you still get out there and, and you're on top of your line and, and now you have to kind of really check in and be like, hey, is, is it good to go for real? Like, right. did I make a good choice? Because yeah. I'm here now, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's different. And and they're, they're all great. I mean, I freaking, I still love going to the ski hill and, and being whisked up the mountain on a chairlift too because that's also really fun. <laughs> and right. Just getting lots of laps <laughs> in, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's just as fun too. So I think all of those, it's, it's, you know, we're tobogganing. We're just having fun in the snow. Like exactly. So good. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, when I hiked the Appalachian trail, there were so many people who were after just getting in as many miles as they could in a day. Right. Like I just want to totally. pound out and get as many miles as I can. Great. Yeah. You know, there, there's people who like to do that ski touring too. Right. Yeah. They want to get, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got some friends who, when they go to resorts, they want to get, they, they want to get possible. a lap for every dollar that they spent on their lift ticket. You know? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Why? You definitely the feel like feverish you pace. I, I don't know. Everybody's different, right? I, I am not that guy. I am yeah. way more. Check your Strava box or something. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. I like going fast, but I like enjoying the entire mountain, having fun with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, with kids, I got a little guy, of course. So you got to be nice. Oh, yeah. I have been mean. Darren's like was there and watched it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's you know, then he gets mean, to tell not, the story of when you left him at the top of the mogul field. No, I left him in the pow actually, <laughs> but right. in the oh, flats. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that was that was a fun Start day. Walking. Oh yeah. yeah, you ditched me anyways. Yeah, good stuff, good times. You it learned. was it was the walk that was the funniest part. So, <laughs> Chad and I are waiting down at the bottom and I'm like, where's Cassius? And he's like, I don't know. I just left them back there. <laughs> <laughs> and we stood there for 20 minutes and no Cassius. No, no Cassius. Cassius. Finally comes around the corner and he stops like a hundred yards away from us and he stops and he unstraps and he picks up his board and he just marches in a beeline straight past us. Not even looking at <laughs> just like You could feel like the, the heat coming yeah. off of Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly funny. <laughs> it's incredibly funny. But you know what? I would have done the same thing if that was my dad and he blew me off like that. I'd be like, you dick. Yeah. You're buying me the biggest bacon cheeseburger this place has. Whatever you want. Right. It's a life right experience now. right there for him. And a gallon of Coke. That's why he's a good And man. I'm not getting this back on this board for the rest of the day. Yeah, I'm sitting you. here on my phone playing video That's games. Right. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, crazy. So, man. Yeah. Dreamy, dreamy life. All, when, I could, all I could think of when you were explaining your your adventure or how you're explaining how walking and that time taking you through the, the mountains, I could just see big trees and just like just taking your time, <laughs> enjoying that air, enjoying that the smell of that pine tree and that... You know, like oh, I got to take you to Bald Hills, it. man, because the tour of Bald Hills is, I mean, it's a long tour up. It's 5K to the top. We'll, but, we'll do it this winter. But it's such a great little, 
it's such a great skin. It's a constant uphill. It's a nonstop uphill, but it's beauty, man. Yeah. Um, And you get that nice down, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's mellow and it's, it's mellow and easy riding up top. It's nothing big. It's not a huge aspect. It's like, yeah, it's low angle stuff. Yeah. Yeah, You just have a ton of fun. There's even a spot where you can stop and feed the gray jays. They, they love it. Right. And then, oh yeah. And then you drop in on your last run. Yes, exactly. And then you drop in on your last run and you ride. You ride from the top of your your last drop all the way to the tailgate of the pickup truck. Nice. Like there's no transition back. Yeah, yeah, it's ideal. Ideal. What was your first split board? My first split board, I uh, went to Pryor and got oh. one of their uh, rental boards. I bought the whole thing for you know binding skins, like yeah. pucks. Everything came as a kit for yeah. nine hundred bucks or something, and then. Nice. Yeah, I rode well, that. that a lot, that's for, a lot back then. Uh, oh yeah, but you know, considering, but you know, yeah, yeah. Still good. Yeah, it was great. I rode that for quite a long time. That board, and then, nice. um, yeah, and I think I had like, you know, my just my hill bindings, so they were on the plates, super heavy setup. Oh yeah. And then finally switched to actual spark bindings, and was like, oh my god, nice. these are so light. Oh nice. This is amazing. Oh, you're gonna enjoy and, uh, the, you're gonna enjoy the will the will will uh, episode when that drops. Well, I oh yeah, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, it's gonna be out. Obviously, this is out. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally like doing the high steps. Like, yeah, look how far I can lift my legs now. Right. Keep up to the skiers, but yeah, yeah. So rode those. Yeah, I kind of did that for a long time. I mean, to to become a ski guide, you're you're kind of building your resume, so you're spending a lot of time doing big traverses and stuff like that, and yeah, a lot of time spent on that prior board and with those bindings trudging through the hills. What size was that first board? Uh, I generally ride like a 56, 156, 55, something like that. That's funny because that's what I ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't really gone smaller. Like I, Well, I just feel like it's like a good size. Yeah. It's still nimble through the trees and like yeah. tight couars and stuff like that. But when you want to be fast, it, it's it's stable. It's not going to be tossed around at all. So agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah I don't want to be, I'm and, only five foot six, so I don't need anything. Oh, well, we're the same height. Well, so exactly. perfect. And I'm, yeah. I'm the average height of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. I have come to terms with it and now I'm shrinking. So my kids say, yeah. so um, <laughs> that's how that goes. But yeah, that's rad. Yeah. I'm, I'm, when did you first experience the palace boards? Yeah. So palace was like, it was kind of just like, I, I don't know. I guess I've been using the word lucky a lot, but again, lucky fortunate, for me, like for, fortunate, fortunate. Yeah. I, um, I was, um, I've been working a lot with this company called she jumps, which is a nonprofit that gets women and girls into the outdoors nice. and they run a kind of high end at the top of their programming. Uh, it's called the Alpine finishing school, which is an eight day women's ski and splitboard mountaineering camp at Selkirk Lodge. Nice. And, you know, people Rough pay life. to go to that one and then funds trickle down and that pays for like free education for, you know, people who are maybe not able to get into the mountains or kids just starting that kind of thing. But anyways, I and was that organization guiding. still runs today, right? Yeah, yeah. I work okay. for them still. Um yeah, I'm doing some talks for them this fall, and nice. and yeah, they're great. She jumps. They're, nice. they're they're a great little company, and um, but yeah, so I was guiding for that, 
and it was the first year that I worked with this with the group and Steph from Palace came on the course and so I was guiding her on the course and she had her boards and um, I was like oh those are super nice chatted and then you know finished the course and then I got an email from her that summer and she was just like hey I'd really like you to try one of our boards like what do you think and and I was like yeah yeah okay kind of like a little skeptical because <laughs> in the past anytime I'd ridden a female specific snowboard right I hated it um too soft they were too soft too narrow too whatever they just weren't I broke them they just uh, they weren't good they didn't hold up to speeds they often were only short right and I'd average size <laughs> uh -huh. wanted a taller board uh -huh. um so i was like kind of skeptical and uh yeah i got on the epiphany which at that time was called the girl scout but okay. uh and uh rode that and i was like this is like the one like the nicest snowboard i've ridden solid or split like Sweet. super stoked on it yeah and then yeah we just kind of grew a relationship and then they started sponsoring me and um yeah, so I've been riding for them for, I don't know, five or six years. Awesome. I don't know, six now, yeah. Yeah, so kind of, yeah, So grew from there. So what was your, did you drive, what were some of the girl boards that you rode? Were you, I'm trying to think because I'm trying to think of the era. I think you're a little, obviously you're much younger than I am. Were, <laughs> were like some of the Shannon Dunn's and Tina Bassich's boards still around or that was? Yeah, cool. yeah, definitely my friend had a Tina Bassich and yeah. had this Solomon Ivy that oh, I yes, broke. That yes. was terrible. Yeah, I remember those. And and then I think what else? I tried another women's board and those were more. I can't made remember. For like, I hated. I I yeah. I just I ended up riding guys' boards all the time for a long time. I think that I up until was this palace design, board. The design. The, Pardon? The, that Solomon board was more designed for pipe than anything else because you're not going to really break a board riding when well, you can nowadays. But back then you wouldn't break yeah. any boards riding pipe. Well, and I was riding the Rockies. I mean, I think That's what, what I happened mean. was I like aired into the rocks basically right, is right. I kind of remember something like Need that tank. happening. <laughs> Need a tank. No, yeah, I, I like just trashed it. Yeah, yeah. Those palace boards are just like the shapes they've got going on and what they've got for graphics. Yeah. It's just fucking awesome. Yeah, I think the big out. the big difference is that they're just designing snowboards for you know smaller sized people, not necessarily female specific. Right, because right, we already marketing talked. to females. I'm but gonna, yeah, I'm you talk more. to staff. <laughs> yeah. They're awesome. They're they're super fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like I've just found them. I it's definitely been my favorite board to ride. Yeah. I out love, of I love their years of snowboarding. Their crazy colored butt bases. I think that's epic. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the pink and the, yellow they, like, popper. Glow. Oh yeah, Bam. It's like so eighties. Yeah. Well, the neon and neon's rad in the yeah. snow. It yeah. just fucking stands out. It's yeah. a juicy. Who doesn't commercial. want a pink base? I don't. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a yellow one, right? <laughs> yellow, no, no pink on it. Anyways, I can teal. Have it. Teal. Oh, my least salmon. favorite color in the world. <laughs> teal, yes. aggressive salmon. Yeah, salmon, salmon. I can handle teal. Uh, -uh. <laughs> it's out of style, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. So then we're getting now into you know your your tail guiding now. When do you kind of get your ACMG? Exactly. Yeah, what led up to that? Really interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, how did that all begin? I guess, yeah, I started tail guiding. I, like, first got a practicum 
when the first winter that I started tail guiding, I was a practicum at Mustang Powder cat skiing. Nice. And um, rough, rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and I was like, kind of doing a bunch, you know. I was like tail guiding and then ski patrolling on Whistler and um, serving still to make it all actually make some money because those were all the other two were volunteer things. Yeah. One was to get a ski pass and one was to get some experience. Um, and I should say, actually, I was. Uh, Mustang wouldn't take snowboarders, so because I could ski, I was like, well, fuck it, I'll ski just because I want to learn some guiding things, so I did ski for that, and it's been helpful, I mean, to be a slipboarder and be able to ski your slipboard well is a very handy thing to be able to do, so... Um, but yeah, I definitely had some hilarious bails in front of guests because <laughs> I hadn't skied since I was like 12 or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit of a learning curve again. Right. But yeah, so I got did that. And then the next year, um, landed an actual paying job with Crescent Spur Heli, started doing some practicums with Kapow and some other like ski touring places. Um, and, and was kind of like, trying to be on my snowboard as much as I could. Like, I was like, I want to be a splitboard guide. I don't want to be a ski guide. Nice. Um, but it was frustrating because uh, like a lot of the guy friends that I had that were coming up in the guiding stream on splitboards, they were like, I never get asked to ski. And I always got asked to ski. And I don't know if it was, oh. I don't know if it was that, you know, the old school mentality in the, in this industry, which is definitely changing as we speak, like every year it's getting more and more accepted to be a split border, but, right. um, well, it has to be, they, they have to yield. I mean, there's just, yeah, split boarding is, us, yeah, yeah. It, way, way, <laughs> way yeah. Yeah. around the world, but, which is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's a tool. You learn how to use your tool and, right. and there's limitations and you figure that out and you know how to, to work around them. And, that's what you do but yeah so it was, it was kind of frustrating to me because yeah I, you know I always got told to just ski and I was like you haven't even seen me snowboard yet like <laughs> let's let's try that first I fucking, I fucking <laughs> rock so leave me alone yeah, yeah. it's legit well, yo we can handle yeah, it I'm gonna be okay I promise yeah yeah but yeah anyways like so it's kind of frustrating but eventually it was like you know, I said yes to ski to some of these places just to get some experience and then came back and had to have the hard conversation of like, hey, like I like working for you guys, but if you want to keep me, I'm going to snowboard. Good for you. And if not, I'm going to go somewhere else. Good and, for you. And um, by that point, I I guess I'd proven myself just as a guide and that was more important. And people were like, well, yeah, okay, we don't care what you're on now. And so that was that was when it like really switched for me. And after that, I just didn't say yes to skiing anymore. I was like, okay, now I can just snowboard and, and, um, and that's why we have you on the show. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah. So beautiful. But yeah. And then, so yeah. So then the ACMG thing, I guess, when did I start? So I was building the resume, practicuming, tail guiding, taking these, you know, trips and just lots of personal days and you write it all down and submit it to the ACMG and in 20, when was that? 2016? Sorry, I'm terrible with numbers and remembering, Don't worry about remembering time. dates. Don't worry about that stuff. Um, That's okay. You're a yes. slipboard guide. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, just <laughs> chill, bro. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's 2016 was when I got into the apprentice ski guide training program and took the program, like went through that and got um got a Craig Kelly scholarship through Avalanche Canada, which was awesome, nice. like super helpful. Nice. And then got as well um kind of chosen as the best candidate. They like choose a can like the best candidate of your training program and and got a bursary to go towards my uh ski guide exam for that. So I was like pretty stoked no um, on that. That's fucking and rad. then yeah. And then failed my yeah. <laughs> my apprentice ski exam. Whatever. Um I'd yeah. Well and I go I think um it's good to like these exams are hard and mm-hmm. uh you put a lot into them, but there's a lot of stress that you put on yourself. And I'd gone into that exam, I'd hurt myself, I'd gotten frostbite really bad Ooh. and couldn't ski for the month or snowboard for the month leading up to it. And just kind of spiraled into a bad mental spot and then my Ooh. back went out and then just about two weeks before the exam, the doctor was like, you know what, you're, you're going to be okay Like to put boots on again, you can go. But I'd been wearing like socks and sandals for that whole month and I was just like, oh my God, like everyone else is training and I kind of went in mentally thinking I was already going to fail Ooh. and then prove myself right. And yeah. I made, you know, you I feel made, like you I talked made, yourself into it's, it. It's called maybe. a manif- like, is that yeah. manifesting exactly what yeah, you don't want? Totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The little right? voice in so, your head is telling you what you don't want to hear. But you learned exactly. from that though. Oh yeah. I learned, Perfect. I learned some really good things from that. And I, and mostly I learned what happens to me when I'm very stressed is that I am not, you know, guides are kind of seen as these like perfect planners. They like love the detail of, and I'm not fly by the seat of my pants, not a planner. And I have to work hard on that side of things. Like I, I function well when I have some routine and a plan and, but it's not my like normal mode. (laughs) So I learned, you know, in that, in that exam, like, yeah, I gotta, I can't rely on flying by the seat of my pants. Like I have to fall back on the plan because my plan was correct. And when I got stressed and aborted my plan, that's when things went wrong, basically. Your emotional intelligence took... Exactly. Your emotions got high, your intelligence got low, and you took the wrong path or the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it sucks to fail, but it was... I lived that. Yeah. I've lived that many times. (laughs) For sure, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, it sucks to fail, but but it was good to fail. And to be honest, I'd rather fail an exam than fail guiding and actually hurt somebody, right? So... So I failed that exam, and then the next year I went and took the next exam. And, uh, yeah, well, January of that year leading into the exam, got in a car accident and wasn't able to ski until um, March or February. Sorry, February. End of February, start of March, and then the exams usually are in April. And so I was like, okay, well, here I am in the exact same position. Like I need to mentally prepare for this this time like I know my skill is good like my skill is there it was all the mental that wasn't and so yeah I, I went through that next exam and with a totally different mindset and did really well and and uh that was that yeah then I became a an actual ski guide um on a split board 
I don't know why and it bothers so this, me so much that it's a ski guide on a split board. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> working know, on that, right? Terminology, it's, though. It's terminology, yeah. And and Chad's yeah. gonna laugh at me when I say this, but I failed my first scuba instructor exam, <laughs> and I am yeah, right? I am grateful for that, to be honest with you, because I yeah. learned so hum- so much humility, and it actually made my second time around, which was the following year, just like you. Um, yeah, it made my second attempt at it just even more resolute you know what i mean like i went in there with more confidence and with a better with a better path decided of how i was going to get through it well less worry because you'd already failed yeah like oh well now the worst things happen doesn't fucking matter exactly (laughs) so being a welder i was welding uh, when your world's structural the next thing you need to weld is pipe and it's like, mm-hmm. once you learn how to weld structural, then the instructor goes, well, then you learn how to weld all over again. I failed seven fucking times. Right. It's $390 Loser. a fucking shot. <laughs> but how good are you welding pipe now? <laughs> Not so much because I don't want to do it anymore. I was good at some point I had, when I was in the flow. But when you don't weld for a while, that pipe, <clears throat> that style then things yeah. change, right? It's like anything else. Yeah. You don't experience For it. Sure. That's no. funny. Scuba instructor was 1500 bucks a shot, man. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, that, yeah, that's the hard well, thing about the exams. It's, they're not yeah. cheap, right? Well, the one I, and when I finally passed, about, my union paid, I was paying work for a small shitty union, but at least they paid for my tickets, so that was good. But oh, well, that's nice. But then when your, your spouse is going, are you ever going to fucking pass that thing? You're like, <laughs> listen, you don't seem to get it. But yeah. It's not yeah. easy. But anyways, yeah, it's again, you learn no, every exactly. time, right? Like I, yeah, yeah. my last time it was, literally like you have a, was the only guy left because what happens when people do a pipe test is that usually there's five guys by the end there's two and usually one passes so it's not easy oh, yeah. shit no and, no. and, I, and the, the instructor had seen me a couple of the, the inspector guys had seen me a couple of times and he's like i'm like dude i'm like i'm close he's like well i'll let you go like you have a lot of time there's pressure they want to see yeah. every single pass you gotta your tax get checked your your half of your route gets checked everything gets mm-hmm. checked you can fail all the time so buddy's like yeah he let me go past by 20 minutes and then one kind of cracked a little because, dude, you've been here 15 times, or seven times. <laughs> He's like, I think you got it. I'm letting you go. He and was I was like, like thank God. Right? We're <laughs> releasing you, Chad, out of misery. Yeah. He was the, misery. He was out of Fort McMurray. He was the biggest dick, but he, because we had one-on-one time a couple of times. Hey, but, but <laughs> there's a lot to be said for your resoluteness like you just, yeah you kept well, yeah, going it yeah. didn't it didn't matter yeah. how many times you fell on your face you're like exactly. i'm gonna get this man i'm back up i'm on the horse it's like yeah. when my daughter crashed the car last winter and she decided she wasn't gonna drive again and i'm like no 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 you're getting in that you're <laughs> getting back happening. behind that wheel tomorrow i needed my designated gonna... driver <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right right no that's <laughs> awesome that's awesome and you do fail forward and that's and then you learn from your mistakes and then it makes totally you it makes you way better for it yeah. Well, and it kind of, yeah, it was, um, I think that fear of failure was, was totally looming over me on that first exam. And now it's something that I, I'm like, failure is, is something like I've changed my whole perspective on failure, right? It's like, I'm embracing it now. I'm learning from it. And it's a big part of the learning process. And especially in backcountry, like you're not going to get it perfect. Even when you've made like the perfect plans you think right like nothing's certain out there so you have to expect for things to go wrong and and right. just being able to like deal with that better is is yeah it's a big part of guiding and just a big part of being back there right so absolutely yeah yeah so now i just got to pass this next one and full got, ski guide you got it you got <laughs> yeah. it you got yeah. it so right. 
Yeah. I know I was thinking about it before this podcast happened. I'm like, so what can I do to get my own plate, my own like uh, kapow kind of thing on my own? And Darren, of course, crushed my dreams by saying, what? what? <laughs> he did. He was like, you know, the people that do this are in that same area all the time. And I'm like, yeah, but I can still buy an area and live there. And then have someone else come in. But anyways, he doesn't even yeah. remember. But again, I looked at what it was going <laughs> to no. take. I was going looking at what it was going to take in time, and I was like, nah, I ain't got six oh, yeah. or seven years. Like, there's no yeah. way. Like, I want to go yeah. riding and have fun instead of being judged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's it is different. I mean, like, there was a time when you know I lived for just like getting up and snowboarding every day and watching snowboard movies and <sighs> partying, and and now my days are like you know training and guiding and route planning, and it's yeah. it's a totally different lifestyle of snowboarding that I live now than what I live it's still snowboarding it's awesome I'm still doing it I mean I getting paid to do what I've always wanted to do so I really can't complain but it is a different world of snowboarding than what I used to do for sure so is it is it um it didn't change the enjoyment of it any did it for you no no but it's it is different right it's like I mean, it's a job when I'm guiding. It's a job, and there's a different enjoyment out of that for sure. Like, but it's but it's the, a it's a labor of passion, though. No. Yeah, but yeah. there's also still the stoke, like. Yeah. You know, and and days splitboarding, there are days when you work super hard to get to your line, and it's not very good skiing on the way down, and that's just the you know that's just part of it, and mm-hmm. that happens, guiding or just on your fun days, like that's just part of it, but. But like, there's still so much stoke to be out there and like, be with the people that you're with and meeting. You know, my job allows me to meet tons of new people and create new friends and just like, explore a lot of different places. I find like a lot of times I'm heading somewhere I've never been before, taking people who are, you know, relying on me to keep them safe. And that mm. is, it's cool. It's scary. It's right. challenging. It's fun. It's new. It's exciting. Like it's all of those things, right? So it's. Yeah, it's very rewarding and it's different than hit laps every day on the ski hill. Now, I mean, obviously I've never had the guiding experience awesome. in that sense yeah. in the backcountry, but I've had the guiding experience in other chapters of my life, which I've talked about before. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, oh, Dude, are you a scuba instructor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, guess what? Actually, I was. For a while. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> yeah, I threw us off there. I'm in pause, man. <laughs> it's cracking up. Oh fuck, I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't shit. have done that last episode. Last episode, I freaking ruined it. <laughs> By the way, I'm done my second beer. My second beer. Oh, perfect. Uh, oh no. Fuck, make it to vodka now. Man, my, I'm just yeah. kidding. My whole Bowl jam is. <laughs> I don't even know how to. How do we reel in from this? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we, dude? Well, you're, okay. So, so Christine, the point. The point is, is you're that badass. there. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, straight up, no question. Yeah. It, the point. The point for me was, is that there's plenty of times when I took people on tours that I had done a hundred times. Oh yeah. But I always still found joy in it, man. I always still. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it was. The same new joy every time, but uh, but I loved one of the things I really loved was seeing their faces. I was gonna say after, that you know, like yeah. and how much they loved what they just saw yeah. and what they yeah. just did. 
I mean, yeah, because they know it, they couldn't do it without you. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't no, know they, that. Okay, nah. but I, but I didn't. I I wasn't. I think pridefully. It's a shared that. experience. Yes, though, yes. Right, like you're having the shared experience, and everyone's getting. You know, maybe it's a happy one. Maybe it's a you know death march or whatever but you're sharing that experience and it's like making a memory and it's all of these things and that's that's what's really cool about it like even if it's the same place over and over again or you know whatever like i mean hiking guiding i tend to walk the same trail a lot and that's what i take from it it's like this shared experience that i get to do with people i feel like it it's almost like the gift of giving type of thing you know what i mean sure. it's like it's the yeah. The elation that they get out of it gives me just as much somewhat yeah, totally. of a similar elation, right? Like, wow, you do love this as much. Like, it's super cool, right? It's fucking <laughs> rad what That's you just saw. Podcast. Like, when I talk to someone like Christine or anybody who like all of our guests, it's like you guys are nerds like I am about snowboarding. It's fucking oh, rad. For sure. <laughs> we all are. And it's yeah. and it's amazing to Chad and I because people like yourself, Christine, are like on a whole other level. You Stratosphere. Know? athletically <laughs> and and you know you know you i mean you followed that passion so hardcore we chased the money to a shitty little town in northern alberta uh, instead of but, chasing what we really love to do you yeah. know and, but now we're doing that now we're chasing what we yeah. love to right do. now we're, we're on the right path so, now and we're yeah. just hooking up with the right people so we can get taught <laughs> so we can go riding totally next, next step is yeah. riding with you guys like all of you guys oh for sure we'll have a dark yeah, star, a dark starts uh, split fest where all the guests come in. Well, not all, but in that area. Oh, that'd be fun. We'll, yeah, figure, yeah. we'll figure something out. It's down. The, it's down the road. Jamboree, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like. Bring jamboree. back the jamboree. <laughs> it's gonna be you, you, call, you called it. That's it. Yeah. So when was your first heli experience? My first heli I experience. Done that yet. My first heli experience was um, my first day. Or my first time guiding for well, no, that's not quite true. When I was in TRU, we got helicoptered into a lodge for one of our um, courses that we took. Um, but my like first real heli experience was yeah, the first time that I guided for Crescent Spur, like when we we went up and did staff training, and that was kind of the first time I'd been in a helicopter. And then you know a couple days later, you're with these guests who have skied with this company for 20 years. And they know the terrain better than you do. And you're like, okay, guys, <laughs> See I'm going to be bottom. part of the guiding team. But, I mean, as a way. tail guide, I'm no, really just picking way. you up out of the snow. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. Yeah, you're... yeah, I was on skis. And I mean, well, just tail guiding. That's what you're doing, right? You're making sure everyone gets down the mountain. Oh, yeah. And you're yep. giving them pointers and... And, um, you know, once in a while you get to ski first, but that's only after you've been there for a while. <laughs> then you get the guest like Chad who wanders off. And the yeah, po- the yeah, po- the- you're the one I'm watching. I'm yep. like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> Chad. Chad will yeah. always be that guy, Christine. <laughs> that's Chad. Just so you know. Wandering. Yeah. I don't follow the path. Be forewarned. Yeah. Be forewarned. Well, when they start skiing short pitches, you'll know why, Chad. <laughs> I still don't understand but it's okay because then you can't fuck up <laughs> yeah I'm paying you better fucking take me where I want to go right. uh, yeah. yeah that's okay. amazing 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 <sighs> so doesn't it feel like a, like you're a badass though getting into a helicopter I don't know it's, just it's like, pretty sweet to be in a helicopter right? yeah 
Like you're getting dropped the top of the fucking mountain out of a helicopter. Like, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. yeah. Just, but I am doing a lot more ski touring, like right. more and more. Right. I, I think I like, I really do. I like ski touring. It's a, it's a different pace for guiding and, and for longevity. I kind of feel like, yeah. I mean, it's hard on your body for sure because you're carrying weight on your back and you're breaking trail and, but you're also keeping strong and fit because of that. And it's, Heli skiing is, um, uh, it's, it's really fast paced and it's like really jarring on your body. And so like, yeah, long term, I don't know. I feel like ski touring is probably, and for the environment. I mean, I'm a bit of a hippie, so. Dude, I'm, I'm, ter- I agree 100%. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard not to, to also take factor that in yeah, too, right? Like I, how, how can I preach and be an ambassador <laughs> of the of the environment and then turn around and be like yeah i just like heli skied all day for seven weeks this winter like right right. yeah so it's like you know the moral issues there definitely kind of back and forth on that um but yeah being in a helicopter is still fucking awesome so (laughs) (laughs) that's why i had to say it but i agree like that's and that's the whole idea of this is to try and you know bring down our carbon footprint individually you know, yeah. we waste so much all the time. Electric helicopters. <sighs> One day, right? <laughs> I'm sure. Not you, so green, though, really. I'm sure. In the long run. No, it's the same shit. The same um, of the day. You know what I'm curious about, Christine? So, like, part of your ACMG path. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, part of this podcast and one of the things that we like to focus on as much as we can is snow safety and awareness in the backcountry. Totally. So, I'm curious. What um what that's like for you going down your path as an ACMG guide? Their side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That cat. <laughs> I hate that cat. Get that yeah, cat well, out he of wants here. to be on he the wa- show. He wants wet food. Actually, I'm. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm actually. I'm not a cat fan, but Simon's actually a pretty <laughs> wicked cat. I gotta admit. Uh, well, Sorry, you so gotta love your animals. Yeah, that's right. They're my that's, animals, though. I'm a dog oh. guy. I've got a couple dogs. And, hey, okay, okay, I'll um, hook right. you up. So, uh, so let's get back on track. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, yeah. So safety and ACMG. Um, I mean, that's a big part of of our daily routine, obviously. But as far as like, like uh, education is a big component of guiding, I right. think, and. And like we do, you know, a lot of the work that I do is like, yes, I, I guide people and just take them on trips. But a majority of my work that I do, especially at the start of the season, is is education, like be it intro to skiing and, and like backcountry skiing or splitboarding, um, avalanche courses, crevasse rescue courses, big mountain ski courses, like all those kind of things. And um, it's really kind of a, it's a cool part of it. It keeps me super fresh because I have to you know, to instruct something, it really helps you understand things when you have to tell somebody else about it. So that's great. And then, but it's also like, I mean, this year we're expecting it to be an extremely busy year in the backcountry Mm -hmm. and a lot of new users. And, and so, yeah, like I think it's an, I think, I mean, I've listened to a few of the podcasts that you guys have had and you ask people like, when did you first do an AST one? Or do you think it's important to have it right away? And I don't necessarily think that it's important to have it like, you know, you've never been in the backcountry before, take your AST one. Like it's good to have used your equipment a little bit and know what it's doing to get more out of the AST one that you're going to do. 
but it's also important to be able to be a good backcountry partner and like know not just follow someone blindly out there and just expect that the person you're with knows better than you like you want to be able to understand when I talk about a snow slab instability like what the language means so that you're not just like "Uh uh-huh and then sure like you know you've turned your brain off and you're just following somebody because there's so many variables out there that it's good to have more minds kind of contributing when you when you're out just recreationally i you know i yeah i agree 100 percent i i mean i know i know i have um for me when when the idea of going backcountry came up, um, I mean, I was totally on board. And uh, yeah. I had dreams of the equipment that I wanted to get. Yeah. And uh, being a dad with four kids, I was kind of limited. I wasn't able to buy the stuff that I wanted to buy. It was kind of like being a server again, right? <laughs> like you're down to low budget and you got to get what you can get. So I kind of lucked out, got some good gear, got some good pricing, and then totally geeked out on the realm and like i remember getting home so excited so so excited to fit my skins and trim (laughs) them and learn everything i could about them touch them taste them feel like the whole deal yeah you know jump around on your board yeah get my beacon (laughs) geek out on youtube on how to use a beacon how to use my specific beacon big part of it right it's like understand your equipment before you head out well, and that's that's more my problem with, especially with today's crowd, is that yeah. You know, when we look, Ch- Chad, uh, no, not you, but but I mean, like, <laughs> okay, let me give you a really good example. Like, if we look yeah. at the demographics of this podcast and who's listening yeah. to this podcast, right? Um, mm-hmm. The majority of people who can afford splitboarding and the splitboarding equipment are, you know, they're they're the older crowd in a sense, you know, like so. What what what's the demographics, Chad? Can you give me the exact number? So like our twenty-four biggest, to 30, 44 and 33, 20, 33 to forty-four yeah. is the okay. So major. because they can afford the the equipment, and my fear, yeah. especially for this season, is that not only can those people afford the equipment, but they're they're going to be too hasty and they're not going to take the time to geek out and learn the equipment. Yeah, and that's my yeah. biggest fear. Like so, totally. I can't. And I, I think can't, that's a valid fear. <laughs> yeah. And I can't yeah. see a better way for people to learn their equipment than to go take an AST one course and at yeah. least get that taste, like learn what, you know, learn yeah. what's important when it comes to reading terrain. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. need to be great at digging a pit and reading the snow and tasting the snow. <laughs> like yeah, we, exactly. we talked to a guy the other day, he talked about, he talked about <laughs> tasting just, the snow and he could just taste wait. the different zones, right? And everything. <laughs> so like good. literally mm-hmm. taking a handful yeah. of it, shoving it in his mouth. That going, one's minus oh, five yeah. and that is right. minus 20 snow. Right? No, no, you'll learn. You'll learn. But, but, <laughs> but maybe like, I think one of the biggest things I got out of my AST one was reading terrain and knowing where well, not to go. Well, that's the focus, right? Yeah. It's like besides companion rescue, Yes. AST1 is about terrain and knowing, especially knowing simple terrain. Because, I mean, I think if, if for those people who are listening who aren't going to maybe be able to take an AST1 right off the bat, like, don't go into terrain that's over your head then, right? Like, you want to make mistakes in, in a place where it's going to be forgiving. You're not going to get in a big avalanche. You're not going to have, you know, the worst time of your life. You're just going to be kind of like, okay, that didn't go well, but we're okay. We make mistakes, right? Like, 
And we've all had that experience in something where we've gone in, got away with it, and we're like, okay, well, I've learned from that. And and I think that's kind of the key, right? It's like, don't go ride the biggest line on your first day. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and With your friends that don't know anything. Right. right? Well, and you, that's a great point that you brought up right there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in all aspects of any endeavor in my life, I've always enjoyed learning from people who know more than me and mentoring yeah. in that essence, right? So mm-hmm. being humble, totally. but at the same time, not afraid to ask the questions like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Why did you decide yeah. to do that? And that's what Abby said. <clears throat> Her biggest people need to do a lot more is speak your mind, talk. Don't be afraid to open your mouth and say, yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. what you're doing and this sounds good or I don't know why you cut the skin track like you did or, you know, you know what's going yeah. on. Are you feeling what I'm feeling underneath your poles? Like those are yeah. things that have to come up. Like those are things I had totally. no clue. When this podcast started, I guess now knowing that, yeah, that he, that, that Mr. You know, Darren was a scuba instructor, <laughs> why he said, I refuse really? to go was, with you. You knew that? <laughs> I didn't know that before. But now I know, and now I understand now why he... Know. Why yeah. Do you want to hear more about it? I can tell you tons. Shut up. <laughs> now, now I understand why he declined to go out with to go out yeah. in the in the backcountry with me. Totally. And I'd respect it. And it was like, okay, dude, we're making a po- we're doing a podcast because I'm sure I'm one of thousands of idiots out there buying their gear and like, let's go riding. It's like, yeah, let's go yeah. kill people. Well I you know well, I can and I think sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. Well I think I think the the advantage then of like taking a course in AST, let's say, is that even if you come out of the course and you're like, man, that was way more information than I could absorb. Mm-hmm. You at least now understand, you know, in Canada that you go get your avalanche bulletin from Avalanche Canada and here's a good spot for me to check the weather. And, you know, I know how to now put my probe together and this is how my transceiver works and I know how to check somebody else. And so it's like it's it gives you those basics and it gives you the language so that you can at ask questions you know what a skin track is actually supposed to be doing you're not just like oh well we got to get up there so we go wherever and what whoever's in front of me must be doing it just fine right like it it having that education is going to point out what you don't know what you do know or what you need to learn right so yeah so on that kind of rambling but (laughs) no 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 that's good that's good don't yeah yeah, don't on that what should a skin track look like since no one yet has (laughs) talked about it let's do it yeah I mean, I guess from a guy's perspective, um, skin track setting, we're looking kind of for something that's low angled and efficient that you're not going to tire the people you're out with. Um, definitely sometimes when you go out with your buddies, you're going to maybe go a little steeper or a little faster, but still the, like, I think the goal of a skin track is to get you somewhere so you still have a lot of energy to ride the line you want to ride, right? So you kind of want to use your skin track also to explore terrain um, and gain information as you're walking around. So maybe I'm looking, I don't know exactly where I'm going to ride down. So if I'm going to ride a tree line, let's say, it's hard to see in the trees. If I move around in the train a bit and don't just stick to one little spot and make a zipper, 
then I'm going to have an idea of where the openings in the trees are, um, you know, if the snow conditions change as the aspect changes or if the wind kisses it. I can look for like small features to test the snow on how maybe storm slab is reacting or if the wind has made a wind slab somewhere. I can see what that's like just by moving in the snow without even digging in it or anything, right? And so your skin track is a way for you to observe things. It's a way to get you somewhere efficiently. And then hopefully, yeah, you, you put in one that if you're going to be using over and over is in the safest place that it can be, right? And and you're only going to expose yourself when the conditions are right for that. And you might not take that skin track every time. But if you're like travel somewhere that's like the valley bottom, let's say, and you're always going to be traveling that like day after day, put your tr- skin track where it's the most safe right like especially if other people are going to follow it like and yeah does that make sense <laughs> yeah you just rambled on there for a while yeah. no, that's good Fantastic. i'm just kidding that was yeah. that was gold money i'm like making notes like crazy on the money notes money, money. so good oh my god <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean there, so now, there's every was, guide will say there's an art to their skin it's Oh jeez! Um, a little. Can you say that again? Yeah. <laughs> that was a one-time deal. No, no, no oh, the, the last little bit. No, we had a little it. signal loss right there. Oh yeah. yeah. Every I was skin- just saying. Every every guide will say that putting in a skin track is art. I don't know why. Every time you say that, it's, it's just like it's like. Yeah. Meow, meow, meow. It's like going away. <laughs> right. Darren's gonna have to edit all this fun stuff. All right. That's that okay. Everybody so, will get the gist of what we're learning. There. Man, so, that was great, Christine. That was, bam. Yeah, that's what we needed. That's yeah. the, you've taken this to the next level. No, no one's talked about this yet, and that's exactly yeah, no. why I dug into that because, uh, you know, uh, people yeah, talk. Interesting. About, yeah, well, that's that's why you're here. Um, exactly. And everybody got different aspects, and uh, you know, I've learned uh, before I even got involved in this. It was like you need to learn from other, other other guides like so many guides like not just sticking to the one oh, location yeah. going on different tours different locations even being around the yeah. world the guys around the world like on the side of the world they'll guide differently because the snow is different for sure and you'll for learn sure, something yeah. new and something you can bring back home to your area and be like man you know back there they do this and you're like oh shit that works freaking amazing right here i never thought about that because they've got a, a their history is different they've, they've been doing ski touring for a long time versus split boarding and yeah, it's, yeah, you got to learn. That's I'm so down. That's why I want. I can't wait to go travel the world to do this. <laughs> totally. Hey, speaking of which, in all the places that you've had the opportunity to tour and ride, what is your favorite? Um, can oh, we man. can we leave it specific to to touring? Actually, yeah, um, for sure. I I haven't actually had the opportunity to travel outside of. Uh, of Canada for, for ski touring. So, um, I've totally been kind of BC, Alberta bound for that. Totally and fine. That's good. Where, yeah. where's the, kids? I mean, where's yeah, the, there's kids? a lot, there's a lot of good <laughs> ski touring there. No doubt. Um, kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many cool places and it's like if you hit the snow, right. But, um, kind of up Northern BC I've spent where Crescent Spur is, so it's between McBride and Prince George's, really untouched up there there's not a lot of mm, yeah, yeah. people ski touring in that area so it's just really cool to go in there and not have a lot of information and like kind of have to explore explore um 
That's a big. And it's not that. That's a big yeah, sledding not, area, though, isn't it? Like, the, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, but it's, it's um, a lot of the meatheads from around here who have sleds like to go to McBride yeah, like, area and ride. Yeah, like Vailmont McBride <laughs> yeah. and and stuff like that. Um, yes, so yeah, I don't I know. I think it's heads. cool up there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm over it. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's so many cool places. I I mean. Yeah, it's hard to say. There's too many good places around. Okay, cool. But, no, so that's good. When you go on yeah. your own, do you, do you get out much on your own? Yeah, I mean, I get out for for like personal days. It depends on the winter, I guess. But I try to. I've been better at scheduling time off for myself. I've realized that you, you know, mm. kind of. I'm kind of self-employed, so I actually have to schedule my time off. I've right. I've realized. Right. Um, so I try to do that, and and. My time off, I still like to go sportboarding and snowboarding, and um, yeah, so definitely try to put in personal trips, traverses, just like or just go places I haven't been to, to make, you know, find out more areas to be able to take people and that kind of stuff, and just for fun too, right? Like mm-hmm. there's lines that I would ski with my trusted friends that I probably won't ski or right. snowboard with with a guest that I've just met or something like that. Like well, because who's the weakest yeah. link is the new guest. Cause you don't know them. You don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. When, you, when you do go on your own, what are some things you, what are some of the funky things or maybe your niche things that you bring on your pack? Yeah. Um, I guess it all depends on the day we're we're going, right? Mm-hmm. Like good answer. Depending on the line, if you mm-hmm. need ropes or ice tools or crampons, but, um, yeah, and obviously the normal safety gear. And as a guide, we tend to probably carry a little more beefier first aid kit and like a tarp slash toboggan type thingy that we could rig up. And um, I usually always have a snow saw and then a fire starter, extra clothes. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to keep my pack light too. So it's it's like, do I bring the camera as you can tell, no, because I don't have any photos or videos of myself. <laughs> it's not there. about you; it's about everybody else taking photos of you. So yeah, you, you, have you? Yeah, obviously, you haven't listened to the John Buffery episode yet because he's the safety he's the kitchen wrangler. sink. No, oh yeah, it's bare. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. the pack yeah. is well, bare, which is crazy. Yeah, fast and light, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I. It's like it's always a, a the battle of like, well, what if something happens mm-hmm. and something happens can i do enough with what i have and so my first aid kit will change size depending on where i'm going and how far from help we are and how long we're going to be out um you know same with you know maybe that's probably gets pared down maybe my tarp turns into a space blanket if i'm not guiding or but just having something that i could stay out overnight with if I needed to, or, but, or like make a little shelter with if someone got hurt, like just being able to create like a microclimate around somebody when they're going into shock can be a, mm-hmm. a huge lifesaver. Absolutely. And I mean, personally, I don't like to drink cold water in the wintertime. So I've always got like tea and soup and I mean, hot water, even then I can take a smaller water bottle and keep adding snow to it for the day and that kind of stuff. And then I think the, yeah, I, I should bring more snacks. I never seem to bring enough snacks. It sounds like you need. Pack. It sounds like we need to hook you up with our future sponsors coming up. <laughs> oh yeah, the snack company. The sticky flask. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 
nice little okay. flask, compact, keeps things warm and cold. I'm not yeah, sure if you're going to want to stick the sticky to the snowboard, but that's a whole other <laughs> <of wax. laughs> But you can stick it to your surfboard when you go surfing. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> we're learning. We're learning more about it. We're definitely gonna be talking more about it. Sticky now that I've said it. In, now that I've said it in this episode, you're gonna have to get one. So I'm gonna have to go look it up at least. Yeah, I can send you info <laughs> on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, the the water thing intrigues me because I man, I am a hydrator like crazy. Oh yeah, I love yeah. To, I love to drink water. Um, yeah, I really do. It's crazy. But uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm not a cold water drinker. I've never been. I don't like ice water. Mm-hmm. I don't like cold water. Yeah. I like it room temp. You know, and yeah. it goes down Just nice a and easy. Like no, not even chilled. Like Just it like it room yeah. temp. Never. Well, then you, you're burning energy at cold water. You, know? you are. It, is, yeah. it takes yeah. more energy to warm that up again. If your and body it's not good that. for your stomach. From no. here, anyways, I just don't enjoy it. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like to drink a lot of water and coffee. I'm a coffee maniac, but just straight black coffee, nothing else in it. Um, yeah. Uh, but the snack thing is interesting because, man, that there you go. I mean, you need to fuel that machine, right? When you're going, yeah, totally. do you just do that prior to going out, and so then you don't find you you need a lot or crave a lot while you're out there? Yeah, or? yeah I find. Um, well. I'm one of those hard to feed people. I have a lot of stomach issues. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I've had, yeah. So I've got one of these crazy diets. So that makes it a little harder sometimes um, to like eat in the backcountry. Um, so yeah, I eat a big breakfast. Like I wake up and I eat like a huge bowl of oatmeal or something like that in the mornings. And then I'll make like gluten free muffins and bring those. But yeah, like especially with guiding. Even if we stop for lunch, you're kind of doing other things. So I, I like things that I don't have to eat all at once in, um, or in pieces or that I can have in my pocket are super good. And then, um, but I bring leftovers a lot too, actually. And I'll take a few spoonfuls of that and then put it away and eat it all day or something. But yeah, it's, uh, it's always a challenge. That's probably my biggest challenge is what am I going to bring to eat for myself? Right. right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I kind of relate. I get, I get it. Like when I'm, uh, I mean, I'm an oatmeal guy too. I like starting yeah. the day like that. It, I feel like it gets me through the big part of the day. Totally. Yeah. Just that one thing. And mm-hmm. I like to chalk, I like to do like just rolled oats and then um, just chalk it full of nuts and berries and stuff yeah. like that right like that's what i kind of like totally gets yeah. me through that i'm also on board with joey vosberg on the peanut butter and jam oh, yeah. and peanut Simple. butter and more butter yeah and, like the fatty I would stuff definitely, like, yeah <laughs> i would definitely say like I, I don't like things that are real tasty when i'm exercising like if there's like a lot of flavor it's like i i don't like that as much when i'm exercising i save that for like coming home for dinner right but like kind of plain simple things so yeah like peanut butter jam like that stuff it's like great and it's easy to eat and packable and yeah yeah like like maddie haynes said if it squishes and it can go in the back it's it's the perfect thing to bring along which i really enjoy too so um yeah, like I find when I'm busy like that, I don't feel like I need to eat a ton and I mm-hmm. don't like a big heavy lunch, you know. I mm-hmm. I especially in the back country, man. I just yeah. I like to nosh. I like to stick stuff yeah. in my pockets 
And if yeah, I feel you don't want like a big I, pit in your stomach. No, I yeah. feel like if I need to have something, I can just reach into my, that was kind of my theme when I, when I did that hike on the Appalachian trail too, is I, I got up mm-hmm. in the morning and I ate a big oatmeal breakfast, but then lunch yeah. was, lunch was in my pocket. You yeah. Know? And, totally. it, and I just ate it while I walked. And then I ate yeah. a big dinner when I went to, went to, went to bed to just kind of repair the body for the next morning yeah. right? and, and kind of get going. Yeah. And it, it wasn't yeah. like I was consciously thinking that, to be honest with you, because I didn't just have this. How it happened. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I guess it's just what my body told me to do and it worked for me, right? And I just mm-hmm. kind of went with that. But I find that that works a lot in my busy days, even daily working life type of thing. Like I just, the big lunches just are never good for me. Anyways, I don't want to get too crazy on this. <laughs> you already did. Talk too much already. Um, so... What's funky in your pack? What's funky in like, my what's pack? What's different? And not like, the dirty socks uh, that you just did. Yeah, about. yeah. Well, extra socks um, for warm. You know what's yeah. crazy? I just <clears throat> was walking through my garage today and looking at these, you know those glow sticks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, I got three of them in my garage. They've never been cracked. I'm like, man, they'll need to be in my pack because shit can turn south and they last 12 hours. Every ounce counts, yeah. bro. It doesn't yeah. weigh shit. I don't yeah. pack like you. I don't pack the kitchen sink. <laughs> I keep rotten bananas in my backpack. <laughs> I just felt like Father's Day hike and that, and I left the freaking rotten banana the whole time. Really? You yeah. just figured that out? Well, a month ago. Ooh. Ooh. You smelled it? Yeah. Yeah, I opened the pack. Like, oh, Anyways, so when did Dude, hard boots, gross. when did hard boots get into your life? When did you decide to transfer over oh, hard yeah. boots? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hard boots. Um, yeah, I transferred to hard boots in was it five years ago, maybe about five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of came to like the last ski traverse that I did to put on my resume for my e- apprentice exam. My okay. friend and I had tried to go and ski the cane face on Mount Robson, and uh, he's a he at the time was a ranger there, so he. You know, he got flowing into the ranger cabin and he was like chilling out. And I had to walk in the 20K with my ski on, skis on my back and, and, uh, meet him. And then we got up early, like 2 a.m. start. And, um, yeah, it was a very dark start and, um, just, you know, started up and we ran into some friends. Uh, some guys coming down from the resplendent glacier and they'd had like a couple sketchy kind of foot in crevasses. Like the bridging wasn't holding very well. It was kind of warm out. And uh, so we were like, okay, well maybe we're not going to go that way because there's only two of us and it's like pretty crevassed. And we decided we'd boot pack up what's called the dome. But there's a pretty active ice fall that's kind of to your, uh, lookers right so we were trying to be pretty conscious about keeping that on the one side and anyways while we were going there there was a lot of like rock because it was may so there was a lot of like rock spots and then back on snow and so a lot of like putting your split board on taking your split board off skis over your shoulders skis down and you've got the bindings and they're flapping in your face and my buddy's on skis and he's just like jumping oh. into his skis and gone and you know he's gaining like you know, over the course of day, he gained probably half an hour on me on those just micro transitions, right? And then we boot pack up this thing and that was a really long day and then get to the top of the dome and the weather kind of isn't the forecast and we have to abort um, 
you know, a big storm came in that night and we just weren't going to be able to do it. So we come back out and, um, but yeah, that, that mission was kind of the last straw. It's just like, you know, this is fucking not good. Like I have small feet, so I can't fit into at that time. There wasn't, there was, I think maybe was, that was like the first year that the Jones boot came out. Oh yeah. The 32. And, uh, I wasn't going to fit into that because they don't make size six and a half women's. And, right. <laughs> um, I got you, know, you there. Like, My feet are bigger than yours. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know, like after many years of traversing in these women's snowboard boots that were just, they'd pack out half a season and they'd had like full fur liners and you'd be on these traverses and they wouldn't dry out. And you're trying to traverse things and your sides you know, bottom ski is always slipping out. You're in an awkward position with a big pack on and your ski friends are like killing it. And you're like, holy shit, I'm working extra hard here. Um, I, you know, was like, okay, maybe this idea that my whole identity as a snowboard resolves around what I wear on my feet needs to change because this is getting ridiculous, right? So yeah, anyways, I like kind of, I'd, I'd met Joey and, uh, done a practicum with him and Aaron Chance in Rogers Pass and they're both split borders obviously and um hard booting and and they were shredding and I was like okay you know maybe maybe hard boots aren't so shitty after all <laughs> so yeah I um I like got a pair of TLT sixes and started modifying those and um talked to Phantom and got a pair of their bindings and that's yeah that's kind of how I got into it and then it was a it was a major change and my first year on phantoms was difficult because I had a lot of trouble with the TLT6 was really narrow and my toes are wide and I just had a lot of foot issues going on with the boot Hmm. so the riding and stuff was was it was different um because it I was afraid to modify the boot um, so it took me a while to like kind of get it to a spot um, where I felt like, yeah, this is a snowboard snowboard boot mm. again. Um, but once it did, like once I finally just said fuck it and took out the whole forward lean basically on it, then it became right. great, right? And and all the other parts of splitboarding were way better. Like all the ski aspects of splitboarding were better. My feet were way less tired at the end of the day. My feet were drier, um, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, and then, I mean, I got on a pair of these Atomic Backlands last year with the Phantom Link Lever, and it was like night and day. I was like, oh, my wow. God, this is game-changing. Like this feels like a snowboard boot. It's comfortable. And so, yeah, pretty excited about the slipper to see what happens there but i think like just for big days efficiency like dry feet all that kind of stuff like and just ease on the body too it's like it's a lot nicer on on my body the hard boot system for sure so and a few times now i've gone back to my soft boots once in a while and i actually don't like it as much anymore Okay, okay. Let's let's reel back. Slow down. Is it I know, right? Is it all flowers and roses here? I mean No, no. I I I definitely had the foot issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, there's so many good things. No, I haven't I haven't got a slipper yet. Um uh, they are no, 
they're they're still I, I'm not sure if the parts have arrived to the shop yet because they're gonna they have to hand build all the boots they're waiting right. for the parts to come over um, and with COVID everything slowed down obviously but I think they're I, they've just unveiled the uh, pre-orders on their website at Phantom um, so you can go and pre-order now and I think um, the Phantom team riders you know we probably will see boots late November early December is kind of what Phantom's hoping if the shipping all works out killer and what's funny is yeah. that we, we were the test we were a test subject for uh, Alex's shipping he should try to ship oh, us, yeah. try to <laughs> ship us a hats and t-shirts yeah, yeah. and guess what it didn't work no he's like they ended up back at the location oh shit <laughs> he's like well at least it was a good test we're like well, well we're yeah st- we're still well, here it waiting sounds for like them. that's a major headache is, is, is getting the shipping logistics out, right logistics yeah. is, the, is the big issue well yeah, alex so. you can just try again and throw some bindings and boots in that box buddy and then we'll be happy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i need a size yeah. eight oh yeah you're in the size range that's good I'm no tiny. i'm a 12 i'm a teeny tiny oh. yeah i got big feet he's got to go himself some Dina fit TLTs. I need a wide yeah. board. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. I that's... go with the back lens if, if you're going to go that way and can't fit into the slipper right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that'd be my suggestion. Yeah. No worries. Um, man, here, so we good. hear so many good things about the hardwood side of it. And, and I mean, we're hearing great things from people like yourself and Joey, like people who mm-hmm. spend a, ton of time in the backcountry um you know compared to us weekend warrior noobs here um but i'm so intrigued because you know like we've said before like we geek out on this stuff man and it's just like i love i love technology and i love things that work better and and surprise the shit out of you and that just Mm -hmm. seems to us and and I know you've probably heard me say it before on the podcast. I know for sure, like the big attraction to snowboarding for me was not wearing ski boots anymore because I grew up in ski boots, man. I hated it. For sure, them. yeah. And I, when I got my first snowboard setup, which was all hand-me-down gear that somebody gave me, it was like good old sloppy band, almost Sorel-like type boots. Like just, oh yeah. my God, they were so cozy and so comfy. Yeah. And I couldn't believe I was sliding down a hill you know, wearing something like that, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course, over the years, I've come to appreciate, um, you know, energy transfer, et cetera, et cetera, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and boots have changed too, right? Like right. they, like a lot of snowboard boots are stiffer than the, yes. the TLT six is, um, see, and, and that's the part that blows my mind yeah. when I hear it's, that, like when yeah. I hear, when I hear, and especially like when we talked to John and Alex and they laid it out for us, like, what right. is different about the slipper compared to the backland? For even that, for yeah. example, like well, John telling the lateral, yeah, yeah, like John telling the story of like having to, you know, leave the project he was working on down in Florida for deep space <laughs> exploration. Know, right? Like, what are you talking about, yeah. dude? Really? What? It's freaking awesome. And he had to He's committed. It, yeah, he had to beat it out there to get back to Colorado to. uh you know, to meet up with the atomic rep so that they could pitch their idea about the boot. Like yeah. It just, and, but, but more so to that than like what, 
their ideas about the boot were. And then I've, I, and, and I can't remember and I haven't been able to recall it, but I, I know I saw a video clip somewhere of somebody standing in a pair of slippers on dry ground Instagram. in the bindings. Oh yeah. And they were flexing them laterally. Yeah. I was like, what? Like yeah. they almost and that's look the big too difference. soft. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see like how, how soft they are and like, I mean, weight dependent and stuff like that too. But like, I think one of the big differences in the hard boot system is that there's no play in the binding. Yes. So I noticed when I switched for me, I actually narrowed my stance a little bit because I no longer had that like kind of Mm. movement in the binding with my feet. I had to come in because of that. And because your feet don't, move as much in the boot as well and they don't twist in the binding you're very much locked in that binding system and so having a softer boot isn't necessarily a bad thing because that still gives you that freedom of movement in a sense but you are very locked into the board like that is i feel like the big difference that i notice that's pretty wicked because i'm i'm like yeah, I'm picturing it. So the flexibility mm-hmm. in the boot allows you to transfer your weight where you need it to go, mm-hmm. um, but you're not getting sloppy on the binding, and that's yeah, oh, that's wicked. And when and so when you think about ski touring in your splitboard bindings, right? This is like the big reason why there's such a struggle on like an icy side hill or even just a, a little off camber skin track, right? It's like you're in your your boot, which has a lot of movement just in general in it. And then it's in a binding that also twists. And so when you go to put pressure on the side of your ski, your boot twists in your binding, but no pressure, like your binding doesn't twist this ski. It just twists in the boot and doesn't roll over onto the edge, right? And so that's why it's sliding out. Whereas with the hard boots or the ski boot, like a ski boot in general, when you move your boot, it moves the ski. And that's the big difference there. It's like you're not having that direct change from your snowboard boot to your ski. The binding in between isn't isn't transferring that. And so when you're in the touring mode, because you're using a ski boot and just those pins, you get that direct transfer of energy and, and just way more purchase. And so for skinning, for sure, that's a major advantage. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. So solemn moment. <laughs> when did you get yeah. those um, the link levers? Did you get link levers early? With uh, no, I, like I so I only got sponsored. I kind of last year was a it was a big year for me, and, and <laughs> I you know I uh, I yeah I I'm hadn't really had sponsors before. I, Palace had been sponsoring me for a couple years before that, but um, I got approached by Arcteryx to become one of their guide ambassadors and, and so gained a sponsorship with them and then gained a sponsorship with Phantom. And so I got um, the link levers last year was the first time that I'd rode them. And before that I'd been riding um, the Phantom bindings that I'd bought in five years ago and oh, wow. were totally fine. Like, I mean, they're bomber bindings. Like, yes, they're, they're an investment, but those are going to last you a long time. And so, um, yeah, so I kind of, I got the link levers and I got like the Hercules hooks last year and I'd always been kind of like, oh, whatever hooks, like whatever, like you're going to notice that. Mm-hmm. But um, it was actually quite a big difference to have those Hercules hooks. 
and keep things more solid on the board. And then the link levers with the Atomic was just like, it just felt like a snowboard, like so much more like a snowboard boot than my TLT6 that I'd modified ever so did. So amazing. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's the, that was for me when I when I first really looked at Phantom I was like what is this link lever thing and then I looked at the <laughs> binding I looked at the boot and I looked saw where it's positioned I'm like get it yeah. it makes total yeah. total sense entirely totally. yeah which well it, and and even with the, like with the atomic boot um and and maybe it's probably foot shaped too but I found I had to do no modifications to the boot could just ride the boot with the link lever and and I, I was like wow, this is amazing. So like, no punching other, it out or anything like you well, would do? a little bit tails? of punching, yeah. but but the punching, that's just common. This is the thing when you switch from sn- snowboard boots to ski boots, right? We're not used to doing anything to our boots, mm-hmm. but skiers always go and like modify their boot in some way by punching. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking splitboarding, when we're saying modifying those boots, we're not like sawing holes in the boot and taking parts of the cuff off and changing things around like that's kind of what we had to do before the slipper came out with the tlt6 like we were we were really changing that boot to snowboard in um well not everyone some people were able you know it's all rider dependent but some people did ride the boot as is but i i found that it's too much forward lean for me and i had to I had to modify the boot yeah, for that, sure. That, the forward lean can—it's it, got its benefits, and man, if you got it too cranked out in the backcountry. Oh yeah, 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 and especially just like actually found it the hardest in places where it was like flat and easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I couldn't, couldn't. You can't rest. No, you have to like always be on an edge. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what what's it like being an ambassador when it comes to? I'm I'm curious on like the product development side. Do they reach out to you oh, yeah. and like yeah, like give us give us what your taste has been like of this and that and yeah. And, and I mean, how has that been for you? Has that been fun to be part of that? And yeah, it's been something that's it's kind of it's it's like a whole new world for me. Like um, I uh, as maybe sounding confident about some of the things I'm talking about, but I, I am kind <laughs> of a shy person. So like to like have to like reach out and like put myself out there or you know isn't isn't like I, it's not my most enjoyable part of the things i have to do right for, for for my career right but um so again fortunate that arcteryx i had been guiding some of their staff and been involved in some of their like just somehow kind of got looped into some of their events and um my name got thrown in the ring and and they approached me and to become an ambassador. And yeah, so just super fortunate that that happened. And I, I think they're an awesome company, but I, I was kind of worried. Like I was like, well, you know, I I don't, again, this environmental side of things, like, do I need to have a new jacket every year if I don't need one? Like, what's the deal with that? And, 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 you know, it's, that's not the case. It's like you, you get what you need and then basically you're an ambassador. So you're, honestly speaking about the products and and same with phantom like i'm not going to get a new set of bindings every year if i don't need them right because those bindings are bomber like so i i I don't want to i think that speaks to the product like if if it's going to last right um but yeah i think what i really like about um gaining these sponsors is that i can use those um to maybe help others or like 
um, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but um, like just be able to maybe create opportunities for other people who might not have them. So uh, maybe I can get our Carex being quite a big company, them to help sponsor in a sense or, you know, um, events or uh, offer products for auctions or for, you know, whatever, for something like that to, to give back to the community that I'm kind of working in. I think you need to put the word in for us. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I I ain't got no shame. I've always looked at their product and go, man, that is sick, but holy crap. Yeah. No, I agree. Holy crap. It's, yeah, we're in the Patagucci line there. Right. But it's at the same time, like when you're out every day, like. Oh, it's epic. I bought it before I was sponsored because it works. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Yeah. I know the yeah. the Abby Cooper episode. I talked about how you know how costly this stuff was, but again, it's like mm. if I can use it for five seasons, well, shit, it just yeah. paid for itself, right? Opposed to yeah, buying something totally. that the Gore Tex is gone in a season and a half, and then you're buying something new again. Yeah, and and it's really cool to see. I mean, companies are changing, and they're they're trying to come up with ways that. Their product isn't, I think, you know, for so long it's been like kind of single use, like even in a jacket, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you should buy a new one every year, even if you don't need to, like that's what they're pushing. But it seems like, you know, people are, companies are now coming up with ideas of how can we keep you wearing this longer or you can, um, you know, like Arc'teryx is just coming out with this idea of you can give your used gear back and get credit towards oh. your next one and then they will repurpose that or find a new way to use it or or find a new home for it patagonia like has yeah has they're like um i can't remember what they call it but it's like they'll, they'll come in and fix your gear and and, and then that, offer like, it for sale on their site yeah yeah right so so that. the companies are starting to try to do more of that and i think that's super important because our industry is kind of dependent on on winter being cold <laughs> and snowy There's and no not question. rainy and exactly. wet, right? Exactly. So um, consumerism does kind of come into that stuff. So I got the big yeah. POW Canada sticker on my laptop right now. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Blown away. Yeah. What's uh, what's down the road for you? What's what's ahead this season? Um, yeah. In these awful times that we're living in. Yeah, it's kind of crazy right <laughs> now. Restricted times. One of the and, and I mean, I know we touched a little bit on how crazy the backcountry's potentially mm-hmm. going to get this season. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, uh, I don't, can't remember if we talked on air about Kapow and what they've got coming up for the season. I know. Um, yeah, I'm not like, well, I work for multiple people. Yeah. Um, so I'm not totally tuned in with Kapow this year just because of COVID trying to stay closer to home. I'm, going to be ski touring mostly here with um altus mountain guides and extremely canadian are kind of two touring companies that i work for here mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah i the biggest thing on my radar right now is i have my full ski guide exam that was supposed to happen last spring but got canceled because of covid is now happening uh december 6th is when it starts so I, i'm like looking for snow as soon as i can here to start training for that just like get my legs under me and then um you can yeah go, i guess my, just my like, neighbor's roof's got lots of snow 
Oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> I got a pretty steep. Mind? I'm definitely 55 uh, degree pitch on my house too. So. Oh yeah, first ski cut of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three inches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's wicked. Yeah. Then that's yeah, just man. right around the corner. It feels like December yeah, six. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's close. <laughs> and you're like fuck. Uh, yeah, it's good and bad. Like it's like okay, we're gonna check Yeah, yeah. I'll either be. Uh, partying or drinking in sorrow you know <laughs> no I, th- I think it's going to be good i'm excited for it i i think you sound i mean the exam yeah exams are stressful but it it's also like it it's it's ski touring it's fun it's splitboarding if you're out there yeah yeah well yeah. You, you definitely educated us on a few definitely a few new things which is always the purpose and the goal with this episode these these episodes so cool. um it's so crazy because every time we talk to somebody like you, we, you know, like I'm looking at the clock. We are. <laughs> Don't say been, it. Don't say it. Okay. Just so we've been talking long. to you for a long time. Let me just put it that yeah. way. But yeah. it doesn't feel like a long time. And it feels like we could do this for just as much more time. I know. We started yeah. like a long time ago. Gosh. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. so we're going to do one more thing. <laughs> Since you, you keep prefacing that you have a rough time getting POV videos of yourself. <laughs> so we're going to give you, because the sponsor on the show is Pro Standard, we're going to give you a grill mount that goes in your mouth and allows you to have stability, improves a lot of stability during riding, a different angle. As, as Mr. Um, Darren always says, the best gimbal on your body is your head. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's one coming. What color would you like, black or white? Um, Pro Standard is offering you a free grill mount. Well, better go black in case I drop it in the snow, that's I guess. Been, that's been <laughs> what he's been saying. Yeah. Perfect. Thank so you. Once, once we're done, you'll have cool. to text me your address and okay. we'll go from there. But you're going to have to send us some video, Christine. Yeah, I guess that'll be, <laughs> I'll have to now. That'll yeah. be, that's we're requisite gonna, now, man. Yeah. And, 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 Faux and, show. And Pro Standard will require some of that as well. So Yeah. Sure oh, that's cool. Have. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. No yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah. Our wow. pleasure. So on that note, let's we're giving shut her down. back to you, giving us some time. Yeah, and uh, it's past your bedtime. I know past. it's past my bedtime. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm fading hard. I'm good, but man, yeah. so stoked, so so, so glad that we got together and we were able to talk. You You're delivered. one rad, rad person. Love what you're yeah. doing. It's definitely want to keep in touch, and uh, yeah. And cool. Yeah. Keep this thing going, uh, man. And you're part of the yeah, community. That's how it goes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's I it. really appreciate being on and um, my first podcast. So that's. I know. Mm-hmm. Do you really appreciate it? Because you said you're a shy person. Now you're out well, there. Oh yeah, man. it's <laughs> better. Like it's not like I'm uh, on TV. So this is right. a little nicer. <laughs> next <laughs> next time you will be on television. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. So keep your goggles tight. <laughs> Mask up that's high. Right. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> COVID look, protection. We're just going to see your teeth. <laughs> right. You can see them from a far away. <laughs> that's right. Nice. Cool, awesome. Christine. We appreciate Thank all you. this. It was yeah. so good. And I'm Thank sure you. the yeah. audience are going to love what you Thank said. Thank you, guys. There's so much to be learned and taught right now. Is You're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm I'm getting stoked for winter. I'm, this time of season is super fun, right? Everyone yeah. is like, getting excited the first snowfalls are coming you're like oh it's that kid feeling again and man yeah. i feel like i'm in the minority here in this town though because so many people i talk to are like oh my uh, gosh it's snowing, snowing. Yeah. and i'm like god yeah. how come you're not getting excited i'm getting yeah. so excited 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's kind of two camps on winter, right? Stoked or not stoked. (laughs) Yeah, this town is mostly not stoked. Everybody just bitches and complains about it, but that's why I'm out. (laughs) Crazy, crazy. All right, Christine, we're going to let you go. Thank you again so, so much. Yeah, we appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Peace. All right. Later. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to Christine for taking the time to talk with us. Remember always that you can learn more about Christine in the show notes. If you're loving the show, follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast and share us with all your backcountry friends. Be sure to check back and catch our next episode where we talk with Jessa Gilbert, artist, splitboarder, and guide. While you're waiting for next week's episode, you may want to have a listen to our episode with Ross Balawa of Karakorm Splitboard Bindings. Ross tells us a couple stories and gives us all a breakdown on the Karakorum lineup. Shout out to our show sponsor, Tahoe Lab Snowboards. Log on to www.taholab.com and be sure to use the code DS15 at checkout for your 15% discount when you purchase your board. Also, while you're online shopping for all your gear, check out our friends at s3boardshop.ca. They have a deep selection of all that you'll need for getting out into the backcountry. Use the code DS15 for your 15% discount on all your online purchases. And just a side note, they do ship all over North America. We'd love to give a special shout out to Scott Martin of Groundswell Marketing Podcast and Pat Cornway for helping to make all of this happen. Peace. Peace.